Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. Today, we're joined by a Pacific Division expert, Ananya Raghavan, here to break down the past week of NBA action for the Clippers, Kings, Lakers, Suns, and Warriors. Ananya, talk to us a little bit about the Warriors and what they're kind of doing now in this last stretch of games to, to make that playing spot, um, make, make, make things count, right? They're playing, a bunch of, they're playing a bunch of games against teams that are right there with them. Um, what are these last few weeks going to look like for them? First off, we want to say congratulations to Stephen Curry on being named Western Conference Player of the Month. Also, congrats to Julius Randle, just because you're an ex-fan, John, and I got to throw that in there. But for Steph, it's not at all surprising. He was even more prolific than ever, setting the single-month record for threes made while averaging 37 points on 50, 40, 90 splits. Just absolutely insane basketball. When I'm at the Warriors games, I just do nothing but laugh when he throws up a crazy shot because there are no words to describe it. Now you hit the nail on the head when you said that this is like a really important stretch of games. They're playing teams that potentially are competing with them for that play-in spot. Yesterday they played the Pelicans who... Most likely will not make the playoffs, but the Warriors need to win these kinds of games in order to secure their standing. And then they'll close off the regular season with a matchup against Memphis, which will likely determine whether they'll end up, you know, seven, eight or nine seeds. So a lot of important games. Now, the Warriors have to be more locked in than they have all season for this final push. They did that in their first matchup with the Pelicans this week. They did that in the second half against the Rockets earlier in the week. And what's really important is for Steph and Draymond to set the tone as the veterans on the team with playoff experience. And they got to lead this group to that playing game. Nobody in the league is going to want to take their chances against Stephen Curry in a winner-takes-all type of game. And this is just the kind of stakes that makes this part of the season so fun and so chaotic. The Western Conference standings are so up in the air as the regular season draws to a close and anxious to see how things shake out for the Warriors. And then I have to ask you then one thing that's really surprising is the Lakers and how they've kind of been playing with a bit of an on-off switch. Um, They have a potential play matchup with the Warriors if they keep on slipping and that switch stays off. Uh, What do you think is going to happen with them? John, you stole my line, the on-off switch. (laughs) I get it. It's fine. But yeah, how the Lakers got to this point is by messing around early in the season and not taking games seriously. I was really hard on them for that initial stretch, and it's because of moments like this when you get late into the season. All of a sudden, in the middle, you lose your two best players for an extended stretch of time, and the defending champs are on the cusp of being one of the playing teams. And you said it in your question. It's the line I love to say. The Lakers on-off switch is and has always been a problem for this team. Now you look at a potential matchup with the Warriors in the plan, which is something that people are speculating about because obviously you love the LeBron-Steph storyline. This may not happen, but just for the fun of it, you now have the early title favorites playing a team that has one of the most unguardable players to ever play the game. No Lakers fan wants that. And it's really telling that the Lakers themselves don't want it, considering LeBron praised the play-in tournament up until the point where his team might be in it. In terms of going forward, the Lakers have played well and with a lot more energy last night against the Denver Nuggets than they had kind of leading up to that. I believe that Marcus Saul should be playing a lot more than he has been. 
I understand the Lakers just got Drummond. They want to integrate him into their rotations, but Gasol is just so much more productive. He's a higher IQ player. He makes the right plays and is solid defensively. The Lakers are better with him in, and I'd love to see him get more time. LeBron came back to the Lakers lineup in the game against the Kings. He sat out last night against the Nuggets with a sore ankle. But AD has been ramping things up in his game. We'll see how the team is able to close things out. But like I said, things could get chaotic in the bottom of the West, and I'm I'm loving every single bit of it. And then how about the Clippers? Obviously, having plenty of playoff berth, but they've, they're on a three-game losing streak, seven games left in the regular season. But what are we really paying attention to to see? Does this team really have what it takes to, to keep their great shooting from the regular season, being one of the, the best teams to ever do it, um, into the playoffs and not, and not collapse like they did last year? There's three habits that I'm going to be paying attention to with the Clippers as they finish off this regular season and see if they'll carry into the playoffs. And that's turnovers, assists, and defensive intensity. In terms of turnovers, coughing the ball up has been an issue all season, especially for Paul George. And I want to see the Clippers be more intentional and value the ball on their possessions, especially when you're the type of caliber player that Paul George is. You're an all-star. You're a superstar. You have to value the ball and you have to ensure that your team is having quality possessions. And then on the assist end, basketball is really about ball movement and player movement, which is something you'd hear me say a lot. At some point, yeah, you do rely on individual talent to be able to make a play, but getting the defense to shift and move makes it a whole lot easier for guys to create those kinds of looks. And with the talent and depth that the Clippers have, it's almost scary to think about how much offense they can create when moving the ball because there's threats spread out all over the court. The Clippers led the league in scoring frequency and points per possession on spot-ups. Now, obviously for a spot-up, it means a guy's not taking the dribble, so these plays have to come off assists. Why not stick to what works and move the ball and get those shots that the team is great at hitting? And then finally, defensive intensity. And to me, this is an indicator of whether or not the team is locked in. You've got PG-13, Kawhi Leonard, and Patrick Beverly as your backcourt defenders and these are three of the elite on-ball defenders in the league there's no excuse for a lack of defensive intensity from them ever especially at this point in the season and I'm going to be watching closely for that another potential playoff scenario is the two LA teams facing off against each other in the first round right now the Clippers are the three seed the Lakers could be the sixth seed. And if that happens, it's really just some Western Conference madness. But despite the Lakers' seed, the Clippers got to be ready to go every time they step foot on the court because the Lakers do have that championship DNA that LeBron brings to a team in the playoffs, and it's not going to be easy. So if they want to get past that first round and be a championship contending team like they expect to be, they got to be locked in all the time. Awesome stuff. And it's great to know that the chance of an on switch happening are there. It could, it could, it could get flipped up to on. It's great knowing that. But then moving on to the Kings, obviously, before we get to the Suns, which is going to be really fun to talk about, we do have to get through the Kings. Uh, and I'm curious maybe what, you know, as they're grinding the end of the season out, um, is there anything you have to say about this team uh, before we kind of, they, their season wraps up and they, and they look, they look towards the lottery. There's really not a ton to say at this point. They're, Season was very up and down. There's a lot for them to think about and get done in the offseason. 
Obviously, you want to improve on the defensive end in a big way, whether that's through the draft, definitely through different free agent signings, different veteran guys who they're going to get. But as far as this season goes, what we really saw from the Kings is that their core is De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, and that's who they got to build around. And unfortunately for Halliburton, he had a knee injury in the last game that he played. I just want to wish him the best of luck and a speedy recovery. He's truly a fun basketball player to watch. He was one of the top guys for rookie of the year and that's just kind of crazy to say for a a 12th pick in the draft and yeah just really hope that he's okay and get back gets back to playing basketball soon obviously finishing off this breakdown with the pacific division leading phoenix suns what are you looking to see from them as we as they end the season the sun schedule is unexpectedly tough for the end of the season mostly because the teams that they're facing are fighting for playoff positioning they have games against the lakers warriors blazers and spurs to end the season and you're going to get all of those teams best shots or at least you should considering the position that those guys are in now this team is currently the hottest in the west riding a four game win streak and also with them literally being the sun hottest thing in the world i'll never miss a pun opportunity just have to say it now phoenix is half a game behind utah for the number one seed and three and a half games ahead of denver for the three seed whatever spot the team does end up settling into I expect them to do what they've done all year long the young guys have grown so much as players Chris Paul is playing arguably arguably one of his best seasons ever and Phoenix is poised to be a real force in the playoffs I don't have much to say about closing out the season other than stick with what works and what got you here and carry that into the playoffs. And that is deliberately control the pace of the game, take care of the ball, limit opponent three-point percentage, and force opponents into one-on-one and ISO type situations. Phoenix is second in the league in terms of opponent assists per game. So that means that they're really making other teams have to create shots for themselves. And those are just inevitably lower percentage shots. I'm just really excited to get to the play-in rounds, the playoffs, and see everything that's about to unfold in the Western Conference. I can't wait. Chris, the start of the show, we talked about the Nets, who are one of the first teams to clinch a playoff spot, but they're still, right, they still have to do a lot to make sure they maintain that number one seed. Um, and that's, it's a huge fight between one, two, three, um, all those, t- the East is really top heavy in that regard, and very obviously, um, there's, a, there's a huge fight that we're going to talk about with some of those teams in the, in the later seeds, but up top, they're right, there's those, those three teams fighting for the number one spot. Uh, what do you see happening there? Uh, yeah. Yeah, John, like you mentioned, I think I, I would split up the, the Eastern Conference, the playoff teams into two divisions. It's the Bucks, Nets, and Sixers, and then everyone else. And uh, within those one, one, two, and three spots, um, it's kind of up for grabs. It's looking like the Sixers or the Nets are going to claim one or two. But right now, the Nets are, they're two and two in the past week. They lost two straight against Portland and the Bucks. Um, however, they, they like you had mentioned, they'd already clinched the playoffs and uh, potentially may take the number one seed. Although they do have a tough stretch ahead playing against teams such as the Bucks, the Mavericks, and the Nuggets. Regardless, they are in great shape and most likely going to be a top seed in the East. And they have the talent. The main questions with this team is chemistry and defense. Big three have only played seven games together, and they went five and two in those games. Harden is still out, but Kyrie and KD are good enough to take the load in the meantime. And also, fun fact, KD has dropped 42 points in the last two games he has played in both of them. So when this roster at is at full strength, they're going to be a nightmare for opposing defenses in the playoffs. Interesting stuff. 
up there in terms of what the, what the Nets can do and, and kind of what we have seen from them and really all, all the stuff we haven't seen from them. And it's a scary side for some teams when the playoffs come around. But uh, the Sixers were really interesting because we were talking last week about how they lost four straight. Now, now they're back to winning. Ben Simmons is having buzzer beaters. Not buzzer beater, jump shots by any means, but buzzer beating uh, tipping. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, John. So they were on a four game losing streak, but they've turned it around very quickly. They've been on a five game winning streak now, including like you had mentioned a great tip buzzer beater by Ben Simmons against the Spurs. And to be fair, to be honest, they haven't had a tough schedule in the past two games. But regardless, playoff teams need to beat those teams that aren't as good. And they've done a good job of that. This is a team that relies heavily on momentum, which makes seeding even more important for this team and getting that home that home advantage. The squad currently sits a game in front of the Nets and has a solid chance of remaining the one seed given their relatively easy schedule that lies ahead, including games against teams like the Rockets, the Pistons, and the Magic. This team has proven to be an elite team on both ends of the floor, led by Joel Embiid, who's averaging nearly 30 and 11. And one thing that I believe can be a difference maker in the playoffs for the squad is their depth. In years, in previous years, they really haven't had depth. Their reserves weren't that good. Um, But beyond the stars this year of Embiid, Simmons, and Tobias Harris, they have multiple other quality players, including Seth Curry, Danny Green, Matisse Thibel, who's ha- maybe a top five wing defender in the NBA, Shake Milton, Cork Maz, Dwight Howard. This will be a tough team to play in the playoffs, especially if they get that one seed. So Chris, like, tell us a little bit about the Celtics then. Obviously, everyone kind of headlines to talk about Jason Taylor's 60-point game, but I'm sure there's so much more to, to dive into with them and, and, and what kind of the next few games mean for them. Yeah, John, the Celtics are 2-2 two and two in the past week, but it was highlighted by a 60-point outing by Jason Tatum, which is just unreal. Jason Tatum's top, I would say, a top top seven score in the NBA and he's really he's really developed into an excellent player the Celtics are in seventh place at 34 and 31 and they have a bit of cushion room from the Hornets who are 2.5 games behind them in the eighth spot however they may have to play in the playing tournament against the Hornets if this seating remains the same while the Celtics are have won two of the three games versus the Hornets this year the Hornets can be a dangerous team to play especially in a one game series which would be the case in a in a playing tournament and the Hornets have talent like LaMelo Ball Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, and Miles Bridges. And on any given night, any of these players can can expect can explode for something ridiculous. So the Celtics have a relatively easy schedule remaining, so can try to move up. And they're only three games out from the four-seeded Knicks, 1.5 games out from the the fifth-seeded Hawks, and one game out from the six-seeded Miami Heat. However, the Celtics will need both of their stars, Tatum and Brown, to be healthy after that collision in order for this to happen. And uh, we're waiting for more information regarding the severity severity of those injuries. But uh, Celtics are are probably not as high-seeding as they thought they would be at the beginning of the season. Chris, Chris, I've been waiting a long time for this one. Talk to me about the New York Knicks who won 12 of the last 13 games, nine-game winning streak. We Everyone knows what's going on with them. They're winning games. They're over. They, they, they're having, they, they just clinched their first winning season. I'm taking all your thunder, but please, Chris, talk to us. Yeah, John, I, I don't know if we're, are we in a dream right now? Or is this, is this, is this happening? I don't know. But anywho, uh, the Knicks have won 12 of their last 13 games and are maybe the hottest team in basketball. Whereas I don't think I would have ever associated with the Knicks, at least in the next uh, in the past five, based on how they played in the past five years, but um, led by Julius Randle, who shows no signs of slowing down. The Knicks are currently the fourth seed in the NBA. John, if someone told you before the start of the NBA season that the Knicks may have a home court advantage in a playoff series, I just wouldn't believe them. But this team is tough and has found ways to win, and they still hold the best defense in the NBA in opponents' points per game at only 104.6. The Knicks do, however, have a tough schedule ahead, playing uh, the Nuggets, the Celtics, the Clippers, Suns, and Lakers. Uh, those are powerhouse teams, and the Knicks do have a shot at keeping their fourth seed, but they, they need to keep the strong effort going and need strong performances from other players besides Randall as well, such as R.J. Barrett, D. Rose, and Emmanuel Quickly.
Unfortunately, to go from that fantastic thing you just said to the Toronto Raptors. Chris, to close out the show, please let us know what's going on there. Yeah, John, unfortunately, I don't have too much to say about the Raptors today, but the Raptors are one and three in the past week and currently the 11th seed. They are 4.5 games out of the eighth seed and three games out of the 10th seed for the play-in tournament. The chances seem pretty slim that the Raptors will be in the playoffs, especially considering they have a relatively difficult schedule ahead of them. Overall, this has been a pretty disappointing season, especially considering they won the title only two years ago. But it's been pretty disappointing for a Raptors team who actually has a fair amount of talent with guys like uh, Siakam, Lowry, Gary Trent Jr., Van Vliet. OG, Chris Boucher, but they have struggled this season. So hopefully it doesn't look too promising for this year's playoffs, but hopefully they can get it turned around for uh, next season. 